Well, today's going to be an exciting Bible study, especially over the next three weeks as we just go through this, this book of Jonah. Whether you're a church person or not a church person, a believer or not a, not a believer, we're all familiar with the story of Jonah. Jonah lived 800 years before Christ. He was a prophet there in the Old Testament in the nation of Israel. And what makes Jonah's story so great is that Jonah's story is all of our stories. You see, whether you're a believer here today or you're not a believer, we all have one thing in common with Jonah, and it's simply that, that every one of us at some point in our life has ran from, from God. We've ran from a relationship with God. We've ran from whatever it is that God wants to do. And today, that we're, today we're going to discover that although we can run from God, we can't really outrun God. And so as we begin to, to um, look at this story today, a couple of things you want to know. First of all, Jonah is a prophet. He knows God, and he's spoken for God. And so we're going to find very interesting that Jonah, although he knows God and has spoken for God, we're going to find that today he's running from God in his relationship with him. Now, maybe you're like me. You see, I grew up in the church, and there was a time in my life when I think we could describe what I did as kind of running from God. I wasn't hostile to God, but there was just a time, you know, you you get out of high school and you go, you know, it's time for me to start dating and I've got a career I've got to pursue. And there was just a time when I didn't really go to church. It wasn't that long of a period, but there was that that period where I just didn't really go and I wasn't really walking with the Lord. And and in that time period, people would come to me and they'd say, Dan, you need to come back to church. And I'd go, okay, okay. But God was just kind of there in the background. And from time to time, I would sense God knocking on my heart saying, hey, you need to, you need to be back in a relationship with me. But, but for the most part, God just got to kind of put there in the background. And so there was a time in my life and a time in many of our lives where we walked with God, but then we just kind of ran. It wasn't that we were hostile. We just kind of got caught up and kind of went in our own direction. And then for others of us, um, maybe it's not that we've walked away from church or God in this relationship. It could very well be that for the most part, we're walking with the Lord and we're doing all the right things you might say and we're, you know, where we need to be. But there's this one area of our life where we're just kind of running. I mean, we know what God says, but right now we just don't want to hear it. And so we just find ourselves, you know, most areas doing good, but in this one area kind of running. So like, guys, maybe you're single, and right now you're going to God, and you're saying, God, I, I know what you say about dating, and, and, uh, but I've met this girl, and I know she's not a believer. I know she's not a Christian, but she sure is cute. And God, I, I think we'd all agree that, God, it's, it's easier to make somebody become a Christian than it is to make somebody become cute. And, and right now, <laughs> right now, God, I know what you say, but I just don't want to hear it. Or, or maybe you're in a marriage today and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in, in a very difficult time. And you know what the Bible says about marriage, but right now you just don't want to do what the Bible says. You, you want to do it your way and you just don't want to hear what it is that God has to say. And you find yourself in this one area of your life, you're just kind of running from God. Maybe it's in your business or your personal finances. You know what God says, but right now in this one area, you're just kind of running. You see, in some ways, Jonah's story is all of our story. And the truth is we're all hypocrites. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, every one of us who, who would call ourselves believers, there's all been a time, there's, there's been a time in our life when we said, God, I want you to bless me and I want you to protect me and I want you to provide, provide for me. But here's the, I just, don't want, I just don't want to talk about this one area right now. I just don't want to hear it. Bless me, provide, take care of me, but, but this, I'm just not talking right now about this one area. And we find ourselves running in that one area. Now today... As we get into this, many, you know, as uh, believers, 
we can think that our situations and our stories are unique. But the truth is, every person at some time will run from God, and we all run from God for the same reason. You want to know what that reason is? Go ahead and write this down. We run from God because we think that we'll miss out on something great. We run from God because we think we'll miss out on something great. We, we don't really trust his plan. We, we don't trust his character. And, and we think that by following him, we're going to miss out on something that's going to be really great. Now, here's what we're going to find today. Jonah is going to run from God, and he thinks that, that if he doesn't run from God, he's going to miss out on something really great. As a matter of fact, he thinks that if he doesn't run from God, he's going to die. And he thinks, you know, death is bad, you know, and he doesn't want to go in that direction. So he's going to run from from God. We'll see how that plays out today. But notice what it says there on your outline. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But wouldn't you agree that we run from God, even though he says, I have this great plan for your life, but we run from him because we think if we don't, we'll probably miss out on something great. Would you agree with that? Well, Maybe we find ourselves running from God today. Maybe at some point in our life, we've gone and we've confused religious people with God. And we've looked on, and, and ladies, maybe you've looked on what would, maybe on television, you've said, well, if that's what it means to follow God, you know, the, that's religious people. I just don't know that I can do that. You, you say, I don't, I don't know that I can wear that much makeup. I don't know that I can cry that much. And, and guys, maybe you look on and you go, I just, I can't pull it off. I can't talk that way. I mean, I just can't walk up to people going, hello, brother, glory to God. You know, you just, I can't do that. And you've, what you've done is you've confused religious people with God. Or maybe you've looked on at religious people and you've said, I just can't be that angry all the time. I just can't be that judgmental and critical all the time. And what we've done is we've confused religious people with God and we find ourselves walking away from him based upon the representation of some people. Now, that's why at Calvary Jupiter, one of the things that we do is we go back to the Bible because the reality is every one of us, even as believers, will at some point in our lives misrepresent God. But the Bible never misrepresents God. So we make that be the basis of our understanding as opposed to other people. So far, so good? So today we're going to discover, as we get into this, that Jonah's story is our story. And we're going to discover today that four things eventually and inevitably happen in our lives when we begin to run from God. We're going to pick it up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh, underline Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You notice that God says their wickedness has come up before me. Now, once again, Jonah is a prophet. He knows a lot about God. He's spoken for God. He knows God. But God's asked Jonah to do something, and right now, Jonah doesn't want to hear it. God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh because their wickedness has risen up to me. Now, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria, which was the um, kind of the world empire of the day. And uh, the city itself, the gates were 60 miles around the entire town. It's a colossal town. Some 600,000 to a million people lived in this town. Now, this town, just to give you a little idea why Jonah doesn't want to go, This town was completely built on slave labor. 
And, and the way that the Ninevites would enslave people, there's, there's a lot I can't tell you because this is church, but basically what they would do is they would go and they would capture a people and they would say, if you want to live, then here's how it's going to be. You're going to be our slaves. In order to make sure that the people understood how serious they were, they would from time to time take one of the people out of the crowd, out of the town that they captured, and literally put tongs in their mouth and pull out their tongue in front of everybody so that everybody would know that this awaits you if you get out of line. So far, so good. And, and the next thing that they would do is, is they would walk people back from whatever, wherever they were captured back to Nineveh to become slaves. They would literally take large fish hooks and put in their mouth and they would literally keep them on a line as they walked them back to Nineveh, li- literally looking like fish who have been caught. Would you say that these are brutal people? And these are the people that God says to Jonah, Go tell them that I'm fed up with this. Now, now this is kind of, you got to get the picture here. This is like God showing up in New York City in 1940 to some Jewish guy's house and saying, listen, you go to Germany right now and you tell them God doesn't like this. How do, how do you think that's going to go? So, so before we give Jonah a, a you know, bad rap for not going, just know that there were some very good reasons why Jonah would not want to go to this particular town and tell them that God is not particularly pleased with their behavior. Okay? So, so there, there's some good reasons. So, um, but we forget that in spite of how brutal these people were, that God still loved these people and he wanted to send them a warning one last time. So we pick it up in verse 2, and notice what it says. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Now, underline Tarshish from the, and you have to underline this, the presence of the Lord. So he went down, my Bible says, to Joppa, underline Joppa. For, and he found a ship which was going to Tarshish. Now, underline this, paid the fare, paid the fare, and went down, my Bible says, into into it to go with them to Tarshish. And then one last time, from the presence of the Lord. Well, you notice that two times it tells us that really what Jonah is doing is he's trying to run from the presence of God. The Holy Spirit puts it there two times in the verse because he doesn't want us to miss what's going on. And you notice that as Jonah goes down to Joppa to find a ship, there just happens to be a ship there on that day. Now, here's what we learn from that. We learn that whenever you're ready or whenever you decide to run from God, Satan will always provide a ship. Now, we might not catch the impact of that, but you have to remember that this is 2,800 years ago. Uh, 2,800 years ago, ships didn't leave every single day. But on this day, when Jonah decides to run from God, there's a ship, and it's just waiting for Jonah to get on. Well, then you also notice that Jonah went down to Joppa. And I put Joppa there in your outline. Joppa just means, the, just the name means fair or beautiful, fair or beautiful. So Jonah goes down to Joppa. He's going to go down into the ship. Ultimately, he's going to go down into the water. He's going to go down into the fish. And what Jonah can't see right now is that he's coming to the place that's fair and beautiful, but everything from this point on is going to be 
down, down, down. And uh, we'll see how that plays out as we get to it. Now, he thinks he's going to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish, interesting enough, the word just simply means, I've put it on your outline, a precious stone. So he thinks it's precious. It's beginning with beautiful, and he thinks he's going to precious. It's going to work out. It's going to be so wonderful. He's running from God, starting it beautiful, thinking that he's going to precious. But Jonah's going to learn four lessons, and they're the same four lessons that every one of us learn when we run from God. And the first lesson is simply this, and you want to write it down, is simply there's always a price to pay. When we run from God, there's always a price to pay. Jonah, it says he pays the fare, verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship which was going to Tarshish and paid the fare. And in this place, Jonah will gladly pay this fare because of where it is he thinks he's going. And here's what happens. There's always the price to pay when we run from God. Sometimes that price is our spouse, it's our marriage, sometimes it's our business, and sometimes it's our kids. But there's always a price to pay when we run from God. Jonah doesn't know just yet what he's done. Now, it's also interesting that Nineveh is 500 miles east of where Jonah is at. Jonah decides to get on a ship going to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Now, why is that important? What Jonah is doing is he's decided that he's going to run to the farthest place that he can possibly get to away from the presence of the Lord. Now, how do you think this is going to work out? Not, not, not so good. Because... Um, we're going to find that Jonah is going to learn the very next lesson. Verse 4, notice what it says with your pen in hand. Now, my Bible says this. It says, the Lord hurled. Does your Bible say that? That's classic. Underline that. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to, and it says, break up. The ship was about to break up. Now, here's the next lesson that Jonah learns and we learn is that when we run from God, we always run to the most dangerous places. Go ahead and write that down. We run to the most dangerous places. Have you noticed that when people run from God, it's never to the, safest, it's never to the place of safety? It's always to the most dangerous places, the dumbest, the most dangerous, the most destructive places is where we run when we run from God. It's the place that even outsiders who have nothing to do with the situation look on and they say, why in the world would you be running there? And we hear it from the people who are outside of our current situation. Our parents come to us and say, you're dating him? Uh, somebody comes up to us and says, you're buying what? Somebody would come to you and say, you're going into what kind of business? Somebody would say, you know, you're, you're married and you're meeting her for coffee? You see, when we run from God, we always run to the dumbest, most dangerous, destructive places. It has always been. Now, 2,000 years ago, 2,800 years ago, the dumbest, most destructive, dangerous place you could possibly think of would be on the ocean the open ocean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, if I was going to run from God, I think I'd want to stay at least on dry land. That, that would be just me. Just stay where at least I think that there can be some safety. So the bottom line is simply this, that when we run from God, we always run to the most dangerous places. But the reality is this, there will always come a day when we regret it. There will always come a day when we regret it. 
So then the third lesson that we're going to find, and you want to write this down, is that when we run, eventually and inevitably, our lives begin to unravel and self-destruct. Our lives begin to unravel and self-destruct. You see, like Jonah, it always starts at the place that looks so beautiful, Joppa, going to the place that we think is precious, Tarshish. But our lives begin to unravel. Now, has this ever happened to anybody? Good. Okay, so I just make sure I'm talking to the right crowd. Um, but, but here's why our lives begin to unravel. Because first of all, and you want to write this down, when we run from God, we run from true wisdom. We run from true wisdom. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But when we run from God, all of a sudden, because we walk away from true wisdom, we begin to make some ill-informed, bad decisions. And our lives begin to unravel. Now, hopefully you know this. And if you don't, I need to say that we are a church for and of ex-runners. Because we've all ran, we've all made bad decisions, and we've all walked away from true wisdom. But when we come back from our running, we tend to come back with all of the problems and the baggage and all the junk that took place when our lives unraveled. We come back with relationship problems. We come back with marriage problems. We come back with kid problems. We come back with financial problems. We come back with addiction problems. We come back with shame. We come back with guilt. We come back with all the junk that took place as our lives unraveled in the time that we ran from God. And we look back and we say, how could I have been so dumb to walk away and run to that place? Well, here's why. Because we ran away from true wisdom. The second thing that happens is the second reason that our lives begin to unravel when we run is that we run away from not just true wisdom, but unconditional love. Go ahead and write that down. Notice what God says about his people. He says, I have loved you, O my people, with an everlasting love. With loving kindness, I have drawn you to me. God says, I've given you unconditional love and acceptance. It's your deepest need. And the truth is only God can provide that for us. And here's what we do. When we run away from his unconditional love and acceptance, we go into what we would call in the church worldly relationships. And in worldly relationships, we try to get from people what only God can give us, which is unconditional love and acceptance. And here's what we do. Because no one can give us that but God, we try to squeeze out of people what they can never give. And ultimately, we find ourselves trying to squeeze out of somebody what they can never give. And we find ourselves going from relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to get what only God can provide. Would that make sense? And the third thing, the third reason that our lives begin to unravel when we run from God is simply this. Because when we run from God, we walk away from our true purpose. Our true purpose The Bible says that the Lord has made everything for its own purpose. You've been created. God has a purpose for you. He's designed you for something. And when we walk away from God, we walk away from that true purpose. When I operate in God's purpose, it's then that I have that sense of fulfillment. When I walk away from that purpose, all of a sudden, life becomes increasingly empty. Now you're going, Pastor Dan, Are you walking away? Have you walked away? It's been a very long time, just so you know that, right? (laughs) But 
But here's what happens. In our 20s, we decide that we're just going to kind of walk away. We're going to run. We think it's going to come together. In our 30s, we get into our 30s, and we just start to have that nagging sense of emptiness that, you know, is, is this all there is? And it goes on into our 40s and our 50s, and we keep trying to find it. And the truth is, only God can offer us true fulfillment because he's designed us with a purpose, and he has a purpose that he wants to fulfill in us and through us. So we find that life, apart from God, doesn't have a whole lot of purpose. So here's what Jonah does. Jonah's like us in that he begins to run from God. He thinks he knows better. He thinks he has a better plan than God. Um, So he runs to the wrong place, the most dangerous place that that he can run to. And here's, here's what we find. When Jonah begins to see his life unravel, it's there that the Lord inserts himself in the unraveling. Notice verse 4. Verse 4, it says, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. So here's what's going on, and you want to write this down. In our running, God allows us to face the consequences of our running, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. He, He allows us to face the consequences, again, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. You say, well, why does he do that? Well, because he has so much invested in you and I. Notice how Peter wrote it. Peter wrote there in your outline. He says, you were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but you were bought with the precious blood of the death of Christ. You were lost. You needed to have a relationship with God. You could not get to heaven because of your sin. God came to the earth as a man, Jesus, And God, Jesus, died on the cross for your sin, and he paid the price so that you don't have to. So he says, since I've already invested that much, if I'm willing to die for you, you have to know that I'll do whatever it is that I have to do in order to bring you back. Now, he's not surprised when we run. He's not surprised when we run, but he'll do whatever it is that he has to do to bring us back even if it means allowing us to go through a time of suffering. You recall in the Old Testament, it was King David, very godly guy. But one day, David has an affair, a very dark period in the time of David's life with this woman named Bathsheba. David's life begins to unravel, unravel, and uh, you'll notice what David says. There in your outline, David says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. There was a time when I I didn't listen. I ran from you. I ran from your purpose. And my life began to unravel. But but now now I keep your word. I I follow you. Now, I've also noticed in the Bible when, when I say that God's not surprised that we run. But the great thing about God is he doesn't look down at us and say, well, you know what? I'll just get another one. I'll just make another person. He says, I'll do whatever it is that I have to do in order to bring you back. Probably the best way that I can explain this is for those of you who have parents, you'll get this. When you go to the mall and your kids disappear and you think that you've lost them before you realize that they're just hiding in the center of that clothes rack. My, my kids are the only ones who've ever done that. But, but you know, when, when you look there and you go, they were there, they're not there. Where are they? And you have that twinge of fear. Parents, you understand this, right? And you have that twins like, what in the world? Where are they? Do you ever just say, you know what? I'm young enough. I just go make a bunch more. <laughs> you, you never do that. 
And so what do you do? You say, well, I, I'm going to do whatever it is I have to do to find them. And you're going to do whatever it is that you have to do. And God says, it's the same thing with me. I've invested so much. I love you. I'm willing to let the, the whole thing fall apart if it means bringing you back. Verse 5, the storm is getting increasingly worse, and it says, Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to, underline, his God. And uh, the word is actually his God's, plural. We'll look at that in a few moments. It says, And they threw the cargo, now underline, they threw the cargo, which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it. They threw the cargo into the sh- uh, which was in the ship into the sea to, to lighten it. We'll come back to that. But Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship, lain down, and had fallen sound asleep. Fallen sound asleep. Now, most Bible scholars believe that these sailors would be Phoenicians. Phoenicians in that day were the greatest sailors uh, on the face of the earth at this time. And you notice that they are terrified at whatever it is that's taking place. So this is, this is an incredible storm. But then you notice that in the midst of the storm, they begin to toss over all the cargo that they had there on the boat. Now, why is that so important? Taking the cargo from one place to the next place was the whole reason for the trip. You see, these were Phoenicians who were taking cargo from Joppa to Tarshish. But in order to survive, they literally throw everything that they have over the side of the boat. So that when they arrive in Tarshish, the best that they'll be able to say is, we were in a storm, we barely survived. In order to survive it, we had to toss everything that we have over. We've lost everything. They have lost their ability to sell the goods, no income when they get there, and they're probably going to be in debt and responsible from where it is that they got the goods in the first place. These have lost everything in the midst of this storm. Now, here, here's a great thing, or not the great thing, but here, here's the thing about these guys. They are all just simply innocent bystanders. They, they, they didn't do anything wrong. The only thing that they did was they allowed a guy who bought a ticket to get into their boat who happened to be running from God. All they did was allow a guy with a ticket to get into their boat who happened to be running from God. Now, here's the point, and it's the next thing that we learned. You want to write this down. When people run, it always hurts the people closest to us. When people run, it always hurts the people closest to us. And right now, Jonah is oblivious as to how his actions are literally destroying the lives of the people around him. As you do life with somebody who is running from God, here's what you learn. You're the one who's ultimately going to be hurt. You've all heard the story how in 1990, my dad committed a crime and he went to prison for eight and a half years. And yes, he did the time, but it was the rest of the family that was most hurt. My seven-year-old sister, myself, the rest of the family. And he had no idea that in him doing that, that it would have that type of havoc on the rest of the family. If you're here today and you're a non-believer, but you're dating a believer... Just know, you have just gotten in the boat with somebody who's running from God, and God says, I will do whatever I have to do to bring that one back, and you've placed yourself in a very dangerous position. (laughs) 
if you are married to somebody who is running from God, or you're in business with somebody who's running from God, ultimately, you're going to find that you're going to get hurt because you're next to somebody who's running from God. Now, dads, um, can I just say something really convicting? Um, I'm a dad, and I've got seven kids so far. (laughs) Dads, we can say, forgive me, and we can say, protect them. But when we run from God, it's the ones closest to us who ultimately are going to get hurt. We have an entire generation that's reeling from the difficulties brought on by a generation that decided to run from God. When we run from God, it always hurts the people who are closest to us. So far, so good? Verse 6. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Literally, the word is God's. Uh, your God, perhaps your God or God's will, con- will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. So the captain comes down, finds Jonah asleep and says, you need to get right with your God. Maybe your God can help us. Verse 7, the, the, the storm is getting so bad, the, the sailors decide they need to get to the bottom of this. So verse 7, it says, each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has just struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 8, and they said to him, tell us now. We want answers, and we want them now. On whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? We're going under. We want answers right now. And then we're going to fix this situation. And we don't care what anybody thinks about it at this point. So Jonah, verse 9, gets to do probably the most humiliating thing that you could have to do. Jonah is a believer. And he gets to stand before a bunch of non-believers and say, well, really, we're in this situation because I haven't been the believer that I'm supposed to be. Let's look at it. Verse 9, he says, He said to him, I am a Hebrew, and I fear, underline, the Lord. Now, they've been saying, call out to your gods. He says, I fear the Lord. It's a different word. He uses the word in the original language is just Yahweh. We'll, We'll see that in a few minutes. He says, I fear the Lord, literally Yahweh, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. You know that dry land that I should have stayed on? He made that too. And, and, and so the, he has to now stand before these guys and confess that he's not the believer that he claims to be. Verse 10, it goes on to say, the men became extremely frightened and they said to him, underline this, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was, underline this, fleeing from the presence of of the Lord because because he had told them. Would you agree with me that it's a bad day when non-believers have to look at you and say, you realize that God is dealing with you. It's a bad day when non-believers recognize that God is doing something in your life and and you, you apparently haven't got it this far. So verse 11, he says, so they said to him, 
What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Now remember back in verse 4, it said the boat was about to break up. Now it's worse. It's just getting worse. It doesn't get better. So verse 12, it says, He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. Now underline this. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Jonah has to look at these guys and he says, you know, when I did what I did, I wasn't really thinking how what I did would affect you. I had no idea how what I was doing would destroy your income and your your ability to just go and now you're facing death and, and you're terrified. I had no idea that what I was doing was going to bring that much destruction into your life. Now, as we read this story, we tend to read it from the perspective that Jonah knows the end of the story. The truth is, Jonah hasn't read to the end of this, this book. Jonah says, throw me overboard. Jonah sees the solution to their problem is literally taking him and throwing him into the sea, realizing that he's probably going to die. He thinks that the solution is just tossing him over. And we would say tossing him over into the hand of God. Let God do whatever it is that he wants to do. But Jonah realizes, and we'll see in just a moment, that everybody thinks that this is kind of it for Jonah. But he sees that as the solution. Throwing himself not just overboard, but literally into God's hands to just let God do whatever he wants to do. Now, it's also interesting that Jonah doesn't say, here's what we need to do in this time of difficulty. Let me give you point A, point B, and point C. He doesn't do that. He just says, the only thing that we can do in this situation is literally throw me over into the hand of God, overboard, and let God do whatever it is that God wants to do. Make sense? So whatever God wants to do. Now in this, Jonah's position of just throw me over into whatever it is that God wants to do. I deserve it. He thinks at this point when he's thrown over that it's over for him. That he's just going to be killed. But here's what we're going to find. It's going to be at this point where Jonah is going to encounter once again the grace of God. God has stepped into the situation, but God's not through with the situation. And it's going to be here that God begins to move again. Verse 13, it says, However, the men rode desperately and returned to land, to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Jonah didn't think about what he did, how it would affect the guys on the boat. And, and yet the guys are on the boat, and they don't want to throw Jonah into the sea because they're thinking about how their actions will affect him. The, the point that's being made here is, in this case, uh, these guys who are, for the most part, non-believers are better guys than Jonah is at this point. Verse 14, you notice it says, Then they, that would be the sailors, called on, underline, the Lord, and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, underline that, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, underline life. Do not put innocent blood on us for you, O Lord, underline Lord, have done as you have pleased. 
They say, don't put innocent blood on us because of this man's life. They recognize that when they throw him overboard, it's a death sentence. They, they realize that it's, that it's over for him. Now, it's also interesting to me that early on in our story, every man is crying to his God. There in verse 5, I've put it on your outline. You recall it says, Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. The word there for God is just, um, uh, just an interesting word. It's just, uh, the word is Elohim. And Elohim just means, uh, the im just means plural in Hebrew. So here's how this works out. If I say a cherub, we'd say, well, that's an angel. If I said cherubim, cherubim, that would mean more than one. That would just be plural, more than one. So these guys, in, in, it's written in Hebrew, they are praying to their gods. The word God in Hebrew is El. But im makes it plural. So they're praying literally to their gods. Pray to your gods is what they're saying. Now in verse 14, you notice that they're not praying to God specifically or or generally. Now they're praying, it says, then they called on the Lord. And the word there is just simply Yahweh. They called on the Lord Yahweh and said, we earnestly pray, O Yahweh, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us for you, Yahweh, literally have done as you have pleased. Now here's what's happened. In the midst of this storm, something happens. They recognize that this is God, Yahweh. And because of what they see happening, they recognize this is really God. And at this point, they become believers. So there's some good news in the midst of this storm. Verse 15, it says, So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Um. It's interesting to me how when they ejected the one who was running from God, their lives changed dramatically and instantly. Sometimes you just have to eject that one who's running from God. And uh, what, what we see here, verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord, Yahweh, greatly, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows. They definitely made the connection. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. So here's the question. Why is it that God appointed the storm? In my Bible, it says he hurled the great wind. He hurled the the storm. Why, Why did he appoint the storm? Why did he appoint the fish? Why did God allow Jonah's life to completely unravel? It's the same reason for you and me. It, it's not to pay him back, but it's to bring him back. And now Jonah has been thrown out literally into the hands of God. And here's what we find. That we find that now Jonah is in just the right place for God to begin to do his deepest work. Deepest work I think we'd all agree on. But he's in the right place to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in Jonah's life. Now, why do I say that? Well, maybe today you're, you're in the ship right now. And um, you're rowing very hard and you're working, but the truth is the storm is becoming um, greater and greater. And you're hoping that it's going to work out, but it's just becoming worse. And, and as it becomes worse, today is your opportunity, like Jonah, to literally throw yourself into the hand of God. into God's plan. Now, for Jonah, 
um, and for us. Jonah had to answer the question, um, how difficult does this storm have to get in order for Jonah to come to the place where he's ready to make a change? And see, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, how difficult are we willing to let it be? Are willing to let it get before we make a change? So as, as the worship team comes up today, um, as we wrap this up, there's a couple of things that we notice. First of all, we notice that in verse 9, if your Bibles are still open, it says, Then he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. For Jonah, it came to the place where he had to confess that he was the problem, that he had sinned. And he had to come clean with that. Jonah didn't get to manage his sin in the sense that he didn't get to work out a plan how to get back to Nineveh. The solution wasn't going back to Nineveh. The solution was wholly and completely throwing himself in God's hands. And so he had to come to that place of confession. Today is a, we just sing one final song. I'm going to ask you to do something that we don't typically do, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pull out your connection card. As we shared earlier, we're, we're all in the place of Jonah at some, some time in our life. And we thought that maybe we would take a moment and evaluate. If you're here today and you would say, I've been running from God, I've never invited Jesus Christ into my life, today's your opportunity to literally throw yourself into God's hands. And simply the way that you do that is just by saying, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. I'm, I'm no longer running from you and I'm throwing myself wholly and completely into your hands. And maybe it could be that you're a believer here today, but in a certain area of your life, you've been running. And on, on the outside, everything looks great, but you know that there's this one area that you're running from God. Just like Jonah, who was a believer. And it's your opportunity today to literally throw yourself back into God's hand and back into God's plan.